um, it would just be not to wait until you have a ready product to start building your community and start marketing your product. If you have an idea and you know you're going to go after it, like create a landing page, create a newsletter, create any kind of like social media page, Twitter, Instagram, whatever you want, and just start talking to talking to people about it. Get them to start talking to you because their feedback is everything. Like you will figure out their pain points. You'll figure out their opinions even before your product is ready. You can already start implementing it. And um, it'll also help you to, you know, market your product better because you know that the terminology they use, you know exactly like what their pain points are. So that once you have your product ready, you automatically have an email list that you can like, you know, send a blast to. You can already like start talking to your community and say like, hey, my product is ready and obviously hit the ground running instead of starting from zero. Like we started from zero and that was terrible. Hey everyone, this is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Journey. I'm your host, Devin Miller, the serial entrepreneur that's grown several startups into seven and eight figure businesses, as well as a founder and CEO of Miller IP Lot, where he helps startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. If you ever need help with yours, just go to strategymeeting.com. Now, today we have a, uh, another great episode. We have a tag team on. So we have a couple uh, people that are a tag team that will be joining us for the episode. Um, so it's Priyanka and Shannon, and they'll share a little bit about their journey. But uh, just as a quick uh, kind of background, especially on uh, Priyanka, but uh, both of them went to school in high school, both her, uh, Priyanka and Shannon, um, and then went off to different colleges. Um, Priyanka went to, I think, USC and got a, a degree in uh, business and admin and econ. And then Shannon got a business administration degree as well. And then uh, uh, Priyanka went off to London to do banking. And then they got back together a year after college and wanted to do something that had a bit more of an impact. So started a, an initial company helping immigrants to get a, or immigrants at the border. Found out that was a bit of a hard business and uh, and uh, decided to do a bit of a pivot and shift it to their new business model, which is kind of giving not, or news articles in nine seconds or less. So with that much as an introduction, welcome on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. Absolutely. So I gave kind of the quick run through and given that you guys knew each other from high school, a lot of your journey is already intertwined, uh, but maybe uh, take us back in time a little bit to how you guys got to know each other in high school and how things got started there. For sure, Priyanka's gonna take this. <laughs> uh, we actually knew, we actually went to the same school since we were actually really, really young, but we only got together, I mean, became really good friends in um, high school. And we also did several like uh, really funny projects together, <laughs> taking us back to creation versus evolution, which is the first time we ever worked together. But uh, I don't think we ever imagined like actually starting, you know, two startups together um, when we were in school. But, um, we went our different ways after college, after school, and uh, Shannon went to BU, I went to USC, and then we both went our separate ways, uh, finance, and Shannon went to do consulting and law. And after, I think, my birthday or something, we just happened to be talking about, you know, our big vision and our plans for the future. And it was really funny because a lot of like our grand visions are very similar in terms of, you know, like making an impact, doing something more, um, something bigger and uh that's when we started brainstorming about you know a social enterprise and that's when we got started on benefactory which is our first startup now let me just ask maybe one question just to dive in just a little bit so but you were at the time i think you were in london doing banking is that right 
So I actually moved back. I actually moved back to India, and uh, we both are technically from India. So that's when we met again, and we started talking about all of these things, and we decided that we should just create something by ourselves. No, so, no, sorry, just to dive in, just one more question, just because I think it's an interesting point. So moving back to India, was it, did you quit your job in London, move back, didn't know what you were going to do, or were you still working at the job, or were you already had intents to start a new business, or kind of what prompted the, hey, I was in finance in London for a period of time, and then moved back, and kind of what prompted that pivot or that shift? So a couple of things. The first thing being, I loved finance. I really enjoyed economics and everything. I don't think a lot of people can say this, but I actually did. <laughs> and uh, it's just that I didn't want to make that the focus of my career forever. And um, at the same time, I also thought if I wanted to switch, I switch now. And uh, my company was, they wanted me to move to Hong Kong. And so it was another like shift. So I thought that if I'm shifting anyway, I might as well just like, you know, take the plunge now and move back to India and work on something else. And that's when um, Shan and I were discussing about this and yeah, everything just moved on towards Benefactory. So now when you move back, so it sounds like in putting words in your mouth, but not putting words. Um, <laughs> When you moved back, so you did, if, did, it sounds like you didn't have necessarily a specific business or a no. specific plan in place yet. It was just, hey, I'm going to make the plunge anyway, going to make yeah. a shift or a change. Now is as good a time as any. I'll move back and I'll figure out what I'm going to do from there. Is that about right? Exactly. Awesome. So now you, you move back and say, okay, I'm going to make that plunge. And you happen to have a birthday party. You guys got together now. So, you know, you were talking about social enterprise. How did you come up with? What, you know, was it just say, hey, we both want to do something, you know, Shannon, were you working at the time or had you also moved back and decided you want to do something different and kind of how did you guys reconnect and shift from what you guys were doing then into deciding to do a business together? For sure. So right after I graduated college, I kind of realized really early on that I was not going to get into consulting or like finance at that point. So I took like a gap of six months, I was studying for my CFA, but I kind of took that time to like really understand what I wanted to do. And I decided to intern at a law firm and they happened to like let me intern without having a law degree. So within one month of interning there, I loved it. And I was like, okay, I'm going to pursue law. So I was in law school and it was towards the end of law school that Priyanka and I were talking. It was like last semester or something. And she was like, we got to do this. And I was just like, you know, yeah, if we're going to do it now is the time. Right. So um, we were talking and it was more like not something bigger, but it was about like getting into a business that had a positive impact on people. Like how do we make profit and impact people at the same time? And that's when we were like, okay, we have this vision that we can really empower like a lot of people to make, you know, donations and like make an impact on like causes that really matter by, you know, partnering up with like different companies and brands at that point. And so that's kind of really how we thought of Benefactory of being like this huge scale kind of a, like a platform that would be connected, like you can connect with people and they can make donations really easily. And so we just wanted to do something that we're going to help people at the same time, like make it a profitable and sustainable business. And that's kind of where we came from when we thought of Benefactory. No, it definitely makes sense. And so now you guys, so you get together, you, you know, you both want to have somewhere where you have an impact where you can make money, but also, you know, have a mission for good type of thing. You come up with Benefactory, 
as you guys are getting going, you know, how did that go? Was it, you know, you guys are co-founders and you, you know, each put in some money and got to work or you bootstrapped it or you, you know, how did you kind of get or take the idea from, you know, conception all the way to actually building a business around it? So it was actually, it was actually bootstrapped. Uh, it didn't really require much in terms of building. It was more about like a very simple, like basic website and uh, just a lot of partnerships. So we literally just like reached out to a bunch of online companies and a lot of nonprofits so that whenever some kind of disaster strikes, we already have the partnerships in place so we can like create a campaign within hours and get started. The whole problem on that front was the fact that whenever any kind of disaster strikes, it takes about two to three weeks for any business to, you know, create a campaign, start working with a nonprofit, get all their paperwork in place, and then actually start the campaign. And by that time, people have already like kind of forgotten about it. The, the timing is gone, you know, so we just wanted to make it extremely easy by allowing people to include a donation with any kind of purchase they make online. And um, yeah, that was a very simple um, idea. And we just wanted as many people to get in on it um, in the shortest amount of time. So we started in India and we had several successful campaigns with some of the biggest companies. And our first campaign in the US is actually what led us towards Volve. Um, it came to, like you mentioned, it was a campaign um, for a campaign to help migrants at the border. And it, it came to a point where companies weren't willing to partner with us. Nonprofits were like hiding the fact that they were trying to help these people simply because of the, the news being extremely sensationalized. Um, there were articles about them being like murderers, rapists, opportunists, shouldn't be let into the country. And because of that, it just became like a political cause that people didn't want to align with because they didn't want to like piss off their customers or their donors. Mm -hmm. So that's when we decided, uh, I mean, we didn't really have much going on at that point. So we're like, okay, what do we have to lose? So we literally just like cold emailed a bunch of celebrities and said, hey, you know, there's a lot of disinformation floating around. Can you help us by spreading the word on Instagram? Uh, we just thought that was very easy way for us to get the word out to millions of people and um, obviously when a celebrity says something it has more power than you know a random social media profile saying something so um, luckily for us Kerry Washington, Ilana Glazer, Prabal Garung they all posted for us and suddenly people the dialogue changed donations started rolling in and that's when we kind of like um, took a step back and you know saw that instead of fighting like the, the the after effects we might as well fight the root cause of actually informing people in the shortest easiest way mm. and just giving them the facts so then they can decide what they what they think about it you know so that's how um Valve came from Benefactory now, when you guys say so you, you know you kind of are saying okay we we got going it was a difficult road to host, so to speak, in the sense that it was polarizing and people may or may not want to be involved in their, you know, concerned about public outlook and whatnot. So they're saying, hey, you know, it's difficult to get people on board. You reach out to the celebrities or the influencers or whatnot. And then as you're now shifting towards, you know, kind of the short uh, news and, you know, in or information and, and providing, you know, better information in a short form, was that a kind of a cognitive choice of, hey, you know, the helping immigrants in the borders directly isn't going to be a viable business. So we're going to pivot over here with a kind of a 
a decision that was made or was it more of just an evolution of that's where you guys kind of started to see where the impact was so naturally evolved kind of how did that take place yeah i think it was just sort of an evolution of how to transition we didn't really make that decision like oh we're not going to do benefactoring we're going to completely pivot to evolve we actually continued a lot of campaigns up until last year we were doing like the black lives matter campaign as well so it was sort of like we were like okay well uh, benefactory something that we can keep doing but we also see this different issue that we definitely know there's this niche in this market that we can definitely make a dent in and that was just like giving you know gen z and millennials unbiased news um we also knew that giving them news unbiased news was not going to be enough we knew that we had to really appeal to what they were used to and that is you know like social media ui or like understanding a topic in a screenshot and that's when you're like okay we got to create an app for this because it's not going to be you know so straightforward i was just giving them unbiased news so it was kind of kind of like an evolution uh and we were like doing benefactory like side by side i would say and then you know when you run a news company you're kind of doing it 24 7 and it's not something that you really understand what's going to happen like it kind of took over our lives we had like uh the covid pandemic last year we had black lives matter we had a lot of we had the presidential elections we had a lot of news cycles and that was just so overwhelming for us that we kind of had to take like keep benefactory on the side for a bit uh because you know we're just like a small team at this point so it was a lot going on mm. So no, it definitely makes sense and sounds like, okay, you know, natural evolution, here's where we're gaining traction, here's where we're not, we'll put the focus on the place where you can have the biggest impact and you're gaining the most traction. So now as you kind of shifted to that model, you know, there's, there's, you know, it makes sense where, you know, people are wanting short news clips, directed information, not, you know, filtering out some of the noise. On the other hand, there's also an industry where there's you know, several major and minor news providers, there's, you know, online, everything from online websites to television to cable news to, you know, other or news or printed news and everything else. So as you're looking at that landscape, how has it gone? You know, has it been able to carve out that niche? Has it been successful and people are finding it interesting? Or is it more of a still difficult road to hoe because there's a lot of other people, you know, competing in the industry? Kind of how's that gone for you guys? So I think we had a very different approach to the news in general. I mean, obviously, when it comes to newspapers, our generation does not read that. Our generation does not look at cable TV. So it really just boiled down to social media and newsletters. And um, if you think of the average age or the average median age or, um, for normal you know, media incumbents, at the moment, it's about like 60, 60 years old. And that's way too high. It's not even touching our demographic. So it just came to a point where it's it's almost like Shannon and I like looked at news newsletters and it's kind of old school, right? They're going backwards in time by having to wait for five stories until the next day. When our generation is so fast paced that you don't even want to wait for a cab. You literally hit a button, cab shows up. So it's just when it comes to information, like there's no point waiting until the next day, especially when like markets move with one tweet. You know, Elon Musk tweets and the next thing you know, your Bitcoin investment is gone. So it's it just had to be in real time it had to be short form and i think because of our format it just appealed to our generation so much because while every media company is you know trying to like tap into this demographic and struggling to tap into this demographic our user base already makes up about 80 percent of gen z and millennials so we already know that we're doing something right and we also realized that we're actually expanding the market in a way because a lot of people who actually stopped reading the news in 2020 have 
turned into newsreaders again with Valve. And even Gen Z, who's never read the news, a lot of them, Valve is like their first news experience. So we are seeing like a change in consumer behavior in, in a sense. And we're also trying to like allow people to discover new articles and discover new categories that they're not exactly used to. Like crypto was not really much of a thing like that, like last year, but now every like fifth article on the app is almost crypto, you know? So hmm. it's just that so many people are like learning new things and it's just opening more doors to like them to learn and evolve in a way. No, and I think that definitely makes sense and it's appealing to a different audience and to one that is more online and, and, and wants the information and wants it up to date now. One question I would, you know, I'm sure people would have is, you know, how do you, you know, one of the difficulties in new in, in the traditional or conventional news, you know, media is that you can only have so many people, you can only have so many investigators, you can only have so many people writing articles. So do you guys kind of write the articles yourself, get the information and you're curating what's already out there or kind of how do you keep it up to date as you guys are kind of filling that niche or, or approaching it a different way? Yeah, so we have an in-house team of writers currently. And what we do is like we have a dashboard that kind of alerts us in terms of like what's trending, what's important. Um, we also have like our team like really going through social media and seeing what the latest trends are. And that really helps us be on top of news and that differentiates us from like other news apps like Washington Post or, you know, Fox News, because we're not only reporting on like, you know, major political updates, we're also reporting on like, you know, the latest trends or like meme stocks that are, you know, in the news and we're really on it. So uh, we have a team that's constantly curating, looking out for what's happening. And we're also expanding, you know, because we do realize that we got to scale our content, diversify the content. So we are, you know, opening up our platform to writers, you know, creators, like newsletter writers mainly to sort of like have their own publication involved and kind of, you know, take advantage of the format that we have created, the platform that we have created as long as, as, as well as the users on our app, right? Mm -hmm. um, we want them to like sort of like build a following and you know that way you know we get to like increase the number of like articles on the app and we actually have people writing you know content in real time in different categories and it's really helpful because like we have like gen z uh you know voices writing about gen z trends uh we have uh you know meme stock analysts like like looking at reddit like subgroups subreddits and they're telling us like what's the latest you know meme stock that's going to trend so mm -hmm. we're kind of on the pulse over there um and so that's really something that we just sort of like expanded into in the past two months and it's really made a huge difference um a lot of our users have given us feedback that you know the content's improved like the you know, the entire notification system is different. So we've kind of found that good middle ground right there. Oh, cool. No, it sounds like you guys certainly found a good niche, a good niche that uh, is one that's uh, a bit, or has previously been unfilled and then figured out a good way to uh, curate and, and aggregate all that information as well as curate it yourself. So that sounds like definitely an exciting place to be. One, you know, so now that we've kind of caught up to where you guys are kind of at now and the journey that's taken you here, looking kind of forward in the next six to 12 months, kind of where do you guys see, see things headed? What's the plans and, you know, what, uh, what do you think will, uh, will happen there for your business over that time? So as of now, we're really focusing on product. Um, and we just got done with Snapchat's Accelerator Yellow. And now we're like just heading into our seed round. So we're fundraising at the moment, which pretty much takes all of our time. <laughs> but uh, our plan, our next step is literally just grow the app and really build that entire creator model. Because 
there is a huge group of people out there who have brilliant insight a lot of young writers who are not necessarily like you know the entertainers and performers for tiktok but uh, at the same time every second person has a newsletter so it's just to make sure that there's like a literal like shift in consumer behavior in a way that people see that real-time news is what it's matter what matters and um allowing us to have as many writers and as many voices on the app really focusing on the younger generation and um, also making the app more, you know, tailored to you because the app is going to be only as interesting as the content on it for you. So ultimately our goal is like your feed is going to look very different from my feed and it's, you know, it's just going to be, yeah, it's just going to be very, very tailored. Something that newsletters or even like news apps can't offer in a way. Well, sounds like a lot of uh, exciting uh, things uh, to come in the future and a lot of uh, good, uh, great potential. That, sound, that sounds awesome. So. Well, now as we've kind of gone through even a little bit of where your journey's headed, I always, or we've kind of reached that point in the, the podcast where I always ask two questions at the end of each podcast. So we'll jump to those now. So the first question I always ask is along your journey, what was the worst business decision you ever made and what'd you learn from it? Okay. So I'll take that question. Uh, worst business decision has to be that we thought that our ideas were everything and we were so protective while we started out Ball that we didn't kind of promote it initially. And I think that's like the number one thing any investor or founder currently will tell you, like never do that because your idea is like only 1% and execution is like 99%. Um, we were first time founders. So we were just like, okay, we can't tell anyone. And so we kind of like missed out on that opportunity of like building a strong user base and that community that a lot of, you know, Silicon Valley, they'll be like, you got to get that community on Twitter right now uh, versus doing that post launch. And we were of that opinion of doing that later. So I would definitely say that and just like being too bogged down by details, like we were so consumed with like the logo and the name and like the tagline and be obsessed over those things. And I think it's really down to like a personal personality trait of Priyanka and I, we are like perfectionists. So we kind of always wanted control over everything. And now looking back, like our app is completely different. Like our taglines change, like after like user feedback all the time. Um, I wish we just knew that, like, you know, it's better to just like hit the ground running instead of like being, you know, bogged down by a tiny detail that, you know, that's going to change later on. So those are definitely mistakes that I know we would definitely not do again uh, if we had a chance to do it over. No, and I think, you know, that, you know, there's a couple things to hit on. One is you know, execution is always what people are looking at. And I think, you know, I work in certainly an intellectual property where people always come and say, hey, I have a great idea. I want to protect it. And, and even if we get it, help me get a patent, the next question is now what do I do with it? Or how do I build a business? And there's always, you know, ideas are that I think to a large extent, sometimes the easier part and the harder part is actually executing on those ideas and actually building a business and a successful business around it. And I also think the other lesson that you guys hit on, which is definitely a good takeaway is also, you know, there's a lot of details that you can get bogged down on and wanting to be perfectionist and have it just how you think it should be. And sometimes that can bog down the business because that last 5% is going to take you so much amount of time that your 95% of the way there is probably sufficient for everybody. And it's going to be a good or a good first step to get everything launched. So I think those are definitely mistakes that a lot of startups and small businesses make and great ones to learn from. Second question I always ask is if you're talking to somebody that's just getting to a startup or a small business, what'd be the one piece of advice you'd give them? Uh, this is again something similarly to what Shannon touched upon. 
um, it would just be not to wait until you have a ready product to start building your community and start marketing your product. If you have an idea and you know you're going to go after it, like create a landing page, create a newsletter, create any kind of like social media page, Twitter, Instagram, whatever you want, and just start talking to talking to people about it. Get them to start talking to you because their feedback is everything. Like you will figure out their pain points. You'll figure out their opinions even before your product is ready. You can already start implementing it. And um, it'll also help you to, you know, market your product better because you know that the terminology they use, you know exactly like what their pain points are. So that once you have your product ready, you automatically have an email list that you can like, you know, send a blast to. You can already like start talking to your community and say like, hey, my product is ready and obviously hit the ground running instead of starting from zero. Like we started from zero and that was terrible. No, and I think that that, you know, that's one thing I've learned as well in watching, you know, a lot of other successful businesses taking the tact of, you know, I, I, you know, if I build it, they will come kind of a thing, push you to disadvantage for when you go to launch. And if you will build that community, build that following, get that, you know, get people that are interested as you're building it, as you're going along, both to get the feedback. And so you can make it better and address, address the market, but also to be able to have a our base from which as you're getting ready, as you're actually launching it, you already have people that are willing to be users and, and promote it and, and share it makes it much easier. So I think building that along the way is definitely a great piece of advice. Well, as we wrap up, if people want to reach out to you guys, they want to be a customer, they want to be a client, they want to be an employee, they want to be an investor, they want to be your next best friend, any or all of the above, what's the best way to reach out to you, contact you or find out more? You can email us at connect at baldmedia.com. You can slide in our DMs on Twitter, on Instagram. We are always talking to everyone. (laughs) And our handle is um, getbald on both platforms. All right. Well, I definitely... Oh, go ahead. (laughs) Just check out even. It's free. It's on Android and on on, um, iOS. And um, yeah, if you want to know more about it, just go to our website, baldmedia.com. All right. Well, I encourage everybody to check out all the different ways to connect up with you guys. It sounds like a a great app as well as a great business. So, well, thank you again for coming on the podcast. It's been a fun. It's been a pleasure. Now, for all of you that are listeners, if you have your own journey to tell and you'd like to be a guest on the the podcast, certainly feel free to go to inventiveguest.com and apply to be on the show. Two more things as listeners. One, make sure to click subscribe in your podcast player so you know when all of our awesome episodes come out. And two, leave us a review so other people can find out about all of our awesome episodes. Last but not least, if you ever need help with patents, trademarks, or anything else with your business, feel free to reach out to us. Just go to strategymeeting.com, grab some time with us to to chat. Well, thank you again uh, for coming on the podcast and uh, wish the next leg of your journey even better than the last. Thank you so much.